Turn to your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 are your notes right there. We have printed them out for you, or you can go on version and see the notes there. John chapter 10. Now, um, before John chapter 10, there's John chapter 9. Wow, he's on today, right? <laughs> that was just seeing if you're still with me. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals the man that is born blind. Do you remember this in the passage? Jesus heals, in the, in the Bible, Jesus heals the man that is born blind in John chapter 9. And, and during this, he causes a little bit of commotion. And the commotion is with the Pharisees. Jesus was straight up with the Pharisees. Now, particularly in this message today, I'm not talking to the Pharisees, but I love to talk to the Pharisees, and so did Jesus. And so he was not easy on the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. And so Jesus is encountering the Pharisees, and he is, he is talking uh, to them plainly. And so he picks this up in John uh, chapter 10. Now, in John chapter 10, Jesus shares two I am statements. Now, if you are new to the Christian faith or you need a place to start to read the Bible, I always tell people, and you should tell people, start with the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is a great place to start. In the Gospel of John, there are seven I am statements. It is Jesus-centered, and Jesus says these I am statements that you can bank your life on. Well, in John chapter 10, Jesus shares two I am statements back to back. So two out of the seven I am statements are shared really close together in John chapter 10. I am the gate for the sheep and I am the good shepherd. Now, I don't know about you, but when I start studying scripture or passages about Jesus, I get obsessed with certain stories. Is anybody else with me? Like I just get upset. I have been in John chapter 10 for the last month and I've just been just so obsessed. So I have learned some things that I'm going to share with you before I get into the text that I can't get into uh, for those of you that want to do some further study on this Sunday afternoon when you're at home. You can look up a couple of these things. The first one is this. There is a parallel between God the Father and the Son, their relationship. God the Father and the Son, there's a parallel between the Father and Son relationship and the shepherd and the sheep relationship. And so how Jesus, the great, the good shepherd, deals with the sheep is a parallel relationship between the Son and the Father, and you should look into that. The second thing is this. In this particular passage, there is a warning for leaders, a warning for overseers, people that lead uh, the 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 church, there is a warning for you in this particular passage. And if you want a sobering warning, if you are a church leader or an inspiring church leader, I want you to read Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel chapter 34 parallels with John chapter 10, talking about the sheep and the shepherd. And it is a sobering uh, chapter if you read because you will see the father's perspective of the sheep and you are sheep this morning everybody say that you're sheep oh you shouldn't have said that though. you just got they just got mad at you I'm not anyways I'm a sheep we're a sheep and so in Ezekiel chapter 34 uh, there is a passage in that chapter kind of correlates with where we are and you should read it uh, how many of you uh, in your relationship with Jesus would rather be corrected in the closet than in front of everybody? 
<laughs> and how many of you noticed that it's a lot easier to be corrected by King Jesus when you're spending time with him than when you stand before uh, some people and he uh, decides to correct you there. And so I, I always tell people I'd rather be corrected in the closet than in the public. And you know? so as leaders, as followers of Jesus, we should uh, pay attention to, to the word and allow the word to correct your life. Are you ready? John chapter 10. I'm going to break this into two segments. We're going to be in verses 1 through 11. If you're not familiar with how I teach, I'm just going to take you verse by verse in this particular passage, and we're going to talk about it, and at the end, we're going to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our midst. I like to allow the Word to speak to us, okay? So we're in John chapter 10, 1 through 11. We're going to spend some time, verses 1 through 6, and I will read them and make some points. The first two passages, Jesus is kind of setting the scene. I've told you that he's talking to the Pharisees, and he's going to communicate to you the players in this particular passage. Verse number one, very truly I tell you, Pharisees. Now, anytime Jesus says those words, we need to pay attention. Very truly I tell you, the, the king of kings, the one that there is no, uh, he, he speaks nothing but truth, is saying, pay attention. Very truly, I tell you the truth. I am the truth and the way of the life. You know what I'm saying? So anytime uh, the, the, the person of, you know, anytime Jesus is like, hey, this is really, really, really true, <laughs> we ought to pay attention. So he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, the baby doesn't bother me. I love babies. Oh, everybody say, oh, dear little baby. <laughs> life. Jesus is life. All right. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Now, in this particular case, uh, he's talking about a sheep pen. They would be familiar what a sheep pen looks like. If you don't know what it looks like, here, I'll try to explain it to you in 30 seconds or less. All right, it was either square or it was circle. I like circles. I don't know. In my mind, a circle. Like, if I would have a sheep pen, it would be circle. I don't know why. It would be circled. It was either square or circle. It was made out of rocks, probably like this, this high, and then there was ivy all around it. There was an entrance in, entrance in the front that was circular, and what the shepherd would do is the shepherd would put the sheep in the sheep pen and he would lie across the entrance to protect the sheep. All right. Now Jesus says that do not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. Now Jesus is implying, he is stating that the Pharisees are the thieves and the robbers. In this particular passage, verses 1 through 11, Jesus is not talking about the devil. He is talking about religious leaders, which I think is really, really sobering. And I'm not going to go there, but I so want to. But no, there's no Pharisees in here, so I would be just talking to the choir anyways. All right. So the one who enters by the gate, gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd of of the sheep. Okay, so Jesus is saying the thieves and the robbers are the Pharisees. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, you're thieves and robbers. <laughs> I love Jesus. He's so awesome. And I am the sheep of the shepherd. Okay, so he sets the stage. Verse number three, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, Jesus starts to describe himself in verse number three, and I want you to pay attention to this. Pay attention to the shepherd's actions towards the sheep. He opens the door, he listens, he calls, and he leads. 
Wow, so, that's not the Jesus some of you are following. Can I just say that? Some of you are following a Jesus that you think yells at you all the time. And Jesus, what does he do? He says he opens, he listens, he calls and leads. And not only does he call you, but he calls you by name. Only personal identification with Jesus will bring you peace in your life. Only identifying with the call of Jesus in your life will bring you peace and security. Can you remember the day when he called your name? Here's one of the things that I realized in my walk with the Lord. He was constantly chasing me for a very long time. Like I didn't find Jesus, he found me. And it says it in the word, you didn't choose me, but I chose you before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in my sight. Jesus is after his sheep. The shepherd is constantly pursuing his sheep and he's not pursuing you so he can be like, look, you blew it again. <laughs> no, he's opening doors. He's calling you. He's wooing you into a relationship with you. We have a shepherd, and in verse number 11, he'll tell you, he'll reveal, I am the good shepherd. I think sometimes in our lives, we follow a God that we've made up. And maybe the voice sounds a lot like a father that was mean or a, or a spouse that was mean. Uh, we serve a very gentle God. That is looking to call us by name and to lead us and to guide us. He opens, he, li he listens to us. When was the last time you thought about Jesus just listening to you? You know? Take that. He wants to hear what's going on in your life. He doesn't want you just to obey. He's not into making robots. He wants a personal relationship with you. He wants to hear from you what is concerning you. Yes, obedience is important, but I'll tell you what, what's more important than being obedient to God is understanding that he knows you and that he wants to hear from you. What is concerning you on this day? You have a shepherd that wants to listen to you. Verse number four, when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Not only do the sheep listen to the shepherd's voice, but they know his voice. They know him. Do you know Jesus? I mean, not just know of him, but know him. Do you have a personal, intimate relationship where you're just like, man, he is my safe place. He is my strong tower. He is the one when I have no answers that I go to. Do you know his voice? And check this out. The shepherd leads and the sheep follow. The shepherd leads and we follow. Have you ever found yourself trying to lead Jesus? <laughs> Have you ever found, all right, Jesus, I got this plan. Where are you? <laughs> Who's leading who in this relationship? In my life, many times when I find myself in a spot where I don't want to be, and I had this awakening moment with the Lord that I have wandered and gone astray because that's what sheep do. What I realize is that I've been leading Jesus and he hasn't been leading me. 
And I've gotten to the place where I have come to the understanding, and I hope you follow me here this morning, that we are not called to lead Jesus. We are called to follow him. And that in this context, in your relationship with Jesus, your number one priority is not leading. It is following. And it's following the king. And when we go ahead of Jesus, that's when we find ourselves in spots that we don't want to be experiencing things we don't want to experience, carrying things we ought not carry because we're leading him and he's not leading us. And I want you to know that it's easy to follow Jesus when you know his voice. Listen, he says it there. He says, he says when he has brought out his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. My concern for the church is that we've been following strange voices, leading us to strange places and doing strange things. That we've lost the connection, the intimacy with King Jesus where the culture's voice, the culture's, uh, the culture's um, information that is coming through our heads is leading us and Jesus isn't. When you know Jesus, you will follow Jesus. When you know him, when the, when the enemy comes or the Pharisees come or any voice that isn't the voice that you intimately know comes, it will hit your ear and you'll be like, that is not right. Don't follow a stranger's voice. What's a stranger? It's anyone other than the shepherd you know. And so Jesus, uh, in verse number six, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees didn't understand what he was telling them. (laughs) So he he explains to the Pharisees, I'm talking to you, you thieves and you robbers. Turn to your neighbor, you thief and robber. Some of you didn't want to do that. You don't have to. That's a strange voice. Don't follow that. Don't follow that. He says, thieves and robbers, I'm the shepherd. He starts explaining that he listens and he calls and he opens up. And the Pharisees are looking and listening to Jesus. And they're like, I'm not catching what you're saying. I'm not understanding this. Jesus used a figure of speech. Some say he's talking, he's, he's using a parable here. But they didn't understand. They didn't understand. And how could they? They were not his sheep. The reason why the religious leaders couldn't understand Jesus because they were not a part of the flock. These Pharisees represented who God was, knew the Bible better than you and I know. They they memorized the first five books of the Bible. They They could communicate the laws and the regulations and what it took to be right before God. And Jesus is standing before them and they're not catching what he's saying because they're not part of the fold. You can know about God and not be in relationship with him. That is a sobering thought. You can quote scripture. You can tell me about the Old Testament and the New Testament. You can read your scriptures and know and not know. Wow. Matter of fact, the Pharisees take it to a whole nother level because they use their limiting understanding to, to reject Jesus. 
They didn't understand who he was. And so Jesus, he takes it to another level, which I appreciate this about Jesus in this particular context, because then he takes what he has explained to a whole nother level. He's saying, okay, Pharisees, and, and I think this communicates Jesus's compassion, even for the religious leaders, in my, in my humble opinion. I mean, he had grace enough to say, okay, you didn't get this right here, so I'm going to take it to a whole nother level. I'm going to explain a little bit more. So then he says this statement, therefore, you didn't get it. Jesus said it again. Very truly, I tell you. So in the matter of six verses, you have the king of kings uh, stating a statement that is saying, come back, come back, pay attention, pay attention. He says, I am the gate of the sheep. Oh, I love that. Everybody should say amen. I am the gate of the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves or robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. Jesus is not talking about David. He's not talking about Moses. Who he is talking about is the religious rulers that have uh, represented God in a way that is not authentic and real. And he is, and if you read Ezekiel chapter 34, you will understand who Jesus is referencing right there. And he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and they will find pasture. I am the gate of the sheep. There is only one way. There is only one way to get into the sheep pen. Any other way into that sheep pen is thieves and robbers. That's the, the, there is no shortcut. There is only one way, and his name is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. In him, there, it, there is no other way to experience eternal life except through the person of Jesus, and I have run through this question uh, with people. Well, if God was such a good God, why wouldn't he make it a couple of ways to get in, and here's the reason why. The reason why is he didn't want you to think maybe perhaps you were in or not in. He wanted to make it clear that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no one that gets into that sheep pen except through the person of Jesus. He is the door. And not only that, you know, we, most of us get that today. And I, I will tell you this, don't allow the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ to trip you up. We ought to take serious the fact that people are in mortal danger if they don't know the person of Jesus. Then that we have a calling. If you have went through that door, if if he has opened that gate and you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life, you are here to lead people to him. He is the only way that people get saved. It's not their good works. It's not their charisma. It's the person of Jesus. And as a church, we need to say, people are in mortal danger. They don't even know they're in danger. Matter of fact, I remember this. I wasn't scared of hell until I came to Jesus. And when I came to Jesus and realized that I would spend eternity without him in utter darkness, my heart just sank. And we need to be the people of God that say there is only only one way, and his name is Jesus. And this is, he opened the door for me. He can open the door for you. And not only does he say that, he says they will come in and they will go out and find pasture. Jesus doesn't just call us in the pen. He calls us to get out of the pen. 
Jesus doesn't drive you. He leads you. Pay attention to that. Jesus doesn't drive you. He leads you, but he leads you in the pen. And my friends, he'll lead you out of that pen to find pasture. It's not just good enough to get in. Some of you need to get out. (laughs) I mean, how many, you know, I've learned this in my life that that Jesus goes before me. And when we sang about it today, he's in in my past. He's the present. He's the future. He's got all this stuff figured out. And and there are times in my week and in my month and in my year that, that I find myself trying to lead Jesus and him not leading me. And I found myself there. Where, where does he lead me? He leads me to the pen. There's abundant life in the sheep pen, and he calls me back, and he calls me by name, and he says, he says, Daniel, he says, son, you, you, you've went out, you're, you're tired, you're weary, you're carrying things you ought not carry. How about I give you some, how about I give you some peace and some love, and how about I love on you, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, can I just stay here? Anybody else say, can I just stay in the pen? Can I just, don't call me out. But then he's like, hey, son, it's Monday. It's time to get up. It's time to go out. But you don't go ahead of me. You just stay in step with me. And I think that's the hard thing, right? Staying in step with King Jesus. And so he calls us in and he calls us out. And he doesn't drive you. He leads you. Now, listen, I'm going to give you some freedom here. And I hope you don't get fired or get in trouble for what I say. I'm about to say. I don't follow people that drive me. I follow people that lead me. Jesus calls you friend, not servant. Jesus calls you son and daughter. He leads us. He doesn't drive us. And so if you're in part of a place under some leadership that is driving you and not leading you, I'm not saying quit your job. I'm just saying start praying to be, I just, I have gotten to the point in my life where I'm done with that nonsense. I want to lead people to be followers of Jesus. And that, I want, I want to be underneath the leadership of someone that leads me, not drives me. It's not about what you can do. It's about who you know. And understand that if you don't have that understanding about Jesus, that he is not driving you, he's leading you. If you're not careful and you don't understand that, what you will end up doing is you'll drive people and not lead them. And Jesus doesn't, he doesn't roll that way, right? All right, move on. That's my leadership tip for those leaders in here today. Verse number 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to its full. Jesus has come that you would have life and have it to the full. I had, uh, this, this year for me has been challenging. And some of you that know me well, you, you know some of the challenges that I have faced this year. And I have found myself asking myself this question, is my life full? And I have discovered that some of the reason why my life was not full was because I was trying to lead Jesus and he wasn't leading me. That I was accepting the call 
and the commission that Jesus had for my life, and I was saying, I'll go, and I'll do it all by myself. (laughs) And I experienced the fallout from that in measure in my life. And I want to be that encouragement to you this morning that abundant life is found in the person of Jesus. And if you find yourself in a place where you're not experiencing that abundant life. And what do I mean by abundant life? I'm not promising you this morning that you're not going to have troubles because Jesus says in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, meaning Jesus has overcome all that we are going to face. And only, the only way that you and I overcome those trials and tribulations in our life is not to try to do it in our own strength, but to get into the sheep pen and experience the abundant life that he's promised. Now listen to me. The abundant life Jesus is promising in this particular passage is not a Bentley. It's not a big house. And I'm telling you that. And I'm not saying I'm opposed to a God that blesses you. The weakest identification of blessing in your life is material. That's the weakest way to measure how God is moving in your life. Because I know a lot of people that have a lot of money that are miserable. And in this particular passage, let me just throw it out there. And if you disagree with me, you can contact Pastor Ken at Lighthouse. No, I'm just saying... (laughs) In this particular passage, Jesus is not talking about the abundant life being financial. He is talking about the abundant life being love, peace, joy, faith, gentleness, all that you need. That that carries with it so much more than any amount of money can buy and produce in your life. Jesus is saying that the abundant life of God is more than enough peace. So if you're walking around and you don't have any peace, it means that you have gotten ahead of Jesus. You need to get in the sheep pen, spend intimate time with Jesus, and he will give you more than enough peace, more than enough joy, more than enough anointing, more than enough power, more than enough faith. He, there, listen, I'm about to preach now. Listen, there, there's nothing that he doesn't want to release in your life. And you have been working for something that has already been purchased for you. And he wants to end it today. Today, it's, it's enough. It's enough. It's enough. He is enough for your life. There is no amount of works that you can do to please Jesus. He has already done the work. It's over. He has called you. He has anointed you. He has appointed you. He has equipped you. He has, he has opened the door and the gate for you to accomplish whatever he has in store for your life. It is already accomplished in him. So just relax. Take a deep breath and spend some time with Jesus and then ask him what's the next step. Because some of you have gotten to this place, and I'm here, and I know I'm right because I just went through it. And so maybe I'm just preaching myself through something. I don't know. But I get to the place where I have all the plans and purposes of God for my life in a notebook. And when it doesn't go according to plan, I'm like, well, Or I get stuck. Have you ever faced the limitations of your own self? 
That's a sobering, humbling experience, isn't it? Well, that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. So let's stand this morning. Let's stand. You see, I don't think it's the enemy that's stealing from you. <laughs> I just think you need a perspective, uh, just, a, just a flip of your perspective this morning. And I know that Jesus is life and that he wants to pour out his abundant life today. Today. I'm not waiting for Monday for the abundant life, and you ought not either. I'm, I am not good enough in my, own, in my own ability, and I never will be, and I wasn't supposed to be. His blood is enough. His blood speaks a better word. My intellect will only take me so far, but if I would be a person that knows Jesus, his wisdom will lead me so much farther than my charisma or my ability or my understanding or my, my way to read three, scripture, uh, three uh, chapters in the Old Testament and the New Testament, my, my, my abilities. I praise God for those abilities, but that's not what pleases the Lord. It is not what pleases the Lord. He is looking for men and women of God of faith. He's looking for faith. So all across this room, can you just close your eyes? Even online, if you're there in your, in your jammies on this Sunday morning, God wants to release that abundant life this morning. And I just know it. I just know that I know that I know that I know that I know that God wants to release peace in your life. I know that I know that I know that I know that he wants to release faith. Whatever you are in need of, your good shepherd wants to release in your life. And he doesn't want to release it tomorrow. He wants to release it now. In verse number 11, it says, I am the good shepherd that lays his life down for the sheep. Jesus willingly died and so that we could have abundant life. But he didn't stay in the grave. He was raised on that third day and he is the resurrection and life and there is no life without the resurrection of Jesus. There is no life that you can produce without the resurrection of Jesus and Jesus wants to produce and release resurrection life today. Today. All I need is four believers that believe. That's all I need right now. If you believe that, please just start praying in the Holy Spirit right now. Right now, right now, right now. We can't have a church that comes in every week and leaves the same. I will not. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We don't need a fancy sermon. We don't need a fancy song. We don't need the lights, the cameras. We need... Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Say this with me. I need you, Jesus. I need you. I need you. I need you. He is wooing some of you. Some of you. He is, he is, he is, he is compelling you for an intimate relationship with him. It's not good enough just to know him. He wants you to know him at a whole nother level. He is inviting you to know him. And he's not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of you.
Somebody has been, came in here this morning and you are, you, you are without hope. You are feeling hopeless right now. And the Lord is here to tell you that he calls you by name. That out of all the sheep in all his pens, the billions of people across this planet, he calls you by name and he's not ashamed of you. He loves you with an everlasting love. There's nothing you could do to earn that. He loves you with an everlasting love, with a pursuing love, with a red hot love. And he is after you. He is chasing you. And it doesn't matter where you go. He is following you. You might not be following him, but Jesus is following you. Jesus is following you. You are not too far from him. You have not messed up to the point where you can't have relationship with him. He is not finished with you. He is not finished with you. He loves you with an everlasting love. I sense that love right now. Release it, release it. Some of you have been leading your life without Jesus. You made a prayer, you said a prayer at an altar and you gave your heart to the Lord and then you just went off and did what you thought you was right in your own eyes and Jesus is not mad at you. He's saying, come back, come back. He's calling you by name. Listen to his voice, listen to his call. Listen to it. It's not a strange voice. It's a voice you know. It's a voice you know. Call back your church. Call them back. Call them back each name by name by name by name. Call them. Can you hear his name? Can you hear it? Can you, he- can you hear him call you by name? Let him talk to you. If you're hearing a voice that is yelling at you, you are hearing a stranger's voice. Because the good shepherd is calling you by name. pray for that abundance right now, right now to be released. It says in the Psalms, taste and see that I am Lord. Taste and see your goodness. God's goodness leads us to repentance. God's goodness. Some of you have been trying to quit stuff in your own strength and the Lord is saying, I am the deliverer. I am the one that will walk you. You can't do that by yourself. Let me take that from you. Let me take that alcohol from you. Let me take it right now in the name of Jesus. Just let me take it. Just let me take it. Don't hold on to it. Just let me take it. Let me take that anxiety. Let me take that worry. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus will give you rest. Supernatural rest. Stop trying to make dots where God hasn't dotted something and cross T. Stop trying to stop trying to be in the future you're not in yet. Can you just be simply His now in this moment? In this moment, in this space. Yes, Jesus. Yes. Yes.
rest. Rest. Let me ask you this question. I don't know everybody in here. This whole passage, the message of the whole passage in this particular case is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to have eternal life. He is the only way to experience the new creation where the old is gone and the new is there, new is here. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way. It's Him. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him, that word believe means to put your trust in, to put your weight in. Whoever would believe in the Son would not perish, but would have everlasting life. You see, salvation is a free gift, a free gift offered to whoever should call on the name of the Lord. And maybe you're in here today and you've been kicking the tires on your on this relationship with Jesus. You haven't made a decision that he is the Lord of your life. And today God has drawn you in here today so that you would experience, you would hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd has opened a door for you to understand that he is the only way. He is the only way. And so if that's you today, on the count of three, there's nothing special about the numbers, just getting you to consider what's before you. The most important question anybody could ever ask you is if you died today, where would you be? Would you be in the presence of your king Or would you be forever separated from his presence? If you don't know that, beyond a shadow of a doubt, today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. One, he is wooing you. Two, he's calling you. He's opening the door for you. Three, all across this room. Whoever, anybody, whoever, how many, how many today? How many? For the rest of us, just lift your hands today. Lift your hands today. Worship you, Jesus. You are the good shepherd. 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 You are my king. You are my security. You are my provision. You are everything that I need. Jesus, Jesus, you are, say that with me, Jesus, you are everything that I need. Say it one more time, Jesus, you are everything I need. Say this with me, Jesus, you are everything we need. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing, and then I'm going to hand this off. I want you to put your hand on the shoulder next to you. If you have to move, move. Shuffle. I think sometimes in our lives, it's easier to believe for someone else than to believe for our own selves. And so maybe you're in here this morning, and you're like, that sounds good, Pastor Daniel. I believe that you believe what you said. And I do. But it's not just good enough for me to believe what I said. 
my prayer for you today is that you would receive what I said. And what I said is that today is the day that you receive that abundant life, that peace, that joy, whatever you need. Today is that day. In the scriptures it says, seeking you shall find. Knocking the doorbell will be open. Whatever you ask, you'll receive. And so, Lord, we come to you today and just start praying for the person next to you. Say, Lord, I pray for the abundant life. <laughs> oh, I pray for the abundant life. I pray for peace that surpasses all understanding. I pray for wisdom and faith. Lord, whatever they need, you would fulfill it today. And pray, pray like you really mean it. I pray that today some of these bondages get broken. I pray today that they receive the revelation and understanding they need. I pray today that they would experience the resurrection and life. Today is the day I pray for that abundant life. For the person next to me, the person beside me. We are better together. Lord, I pray that they are blessed financially. They are blessed with resources and understanding. I pray that they're blessed with health and wholeness. Lord, I pray for the healing manifested presence of God to fall in this room. Lord, I pray today that we all receive a sense of your, your, your love and your peace for our lives. Healing, restor restoration, Lord, I pray specifically over broken marriages right now in the name of Jesus. You are the resurrection in life. And Lord, I pray today in the name of Jesus that you would begin to flip a script in a marriage right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that there would be re reconciliation. There would be a breakthrough moment right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray right now, can you agree with me in prayer, prayer for the lost ones, the ones that have wandered from the faith. Lord, we pray for, for the lost sons, the lost coins. Uh, Lord, we pray for them. We pray for the, the wayward son and daughter of the Most High God. We pray for, we pray him back right now as a church, as a community of believers. We pray for them right now. We, we intercede for them to experience a touch from heaven wherever they are right now in the name of Jesus. If it's in a dark place, if it's in a different country or state, Lord, we are believing that right now the faith that we have together is snatching them from that dark place, that they would be reminded of how much you love them, how much you're for them. In Jesus' name, we call them back. We call them back. We call them back. You say in your word, where two or more are gathered in your name, it will be done. Your word never comes back void. And Lord, we're just praying for that life to be released in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Philippians it says, do not look out for your own interests, but for the interests of others. In another passage it says, it says, he who refreshes others will him himself be refreshed. Sometimes in our lives we can be so focused on us that we actually are a barrier to God working in our lives, and God has, God has positioned it so that when we focused for others, he could fix you. <laughs> you thought you were refreshing others, but you were just getting your eyes off yourself so he could refresh you. Lord, I pray for that refreshing as we focus on helping others. We wouldn't be selfish Christians. We would freely give what we have received in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.